This is The Guardian. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly. More woe for Liverpool, this time losing at bottom of the league, Nottingham Forest. Dean Henderson's cap, wayward finishing and open on the counter. A massive win for Steve Cooper. After years of being stunted by Real Madrid, Casemiro is finally allowed to go forward. His arch-backed neck flexing header rescues a deserved point for Eric Ten Hag. Newcastle are fourth after winning at Spurs. Hugo Lloris following up his fruitless heroics in midweek with some fruitful generosity. Arsenal drop points for just the second time this season. More good news for the Hassan Hootlers out there. Just how much was Steven Gerrard holding Aston Villa back? An unshackled Leon Bailey and friends take just 15 minutes to see off Brentford. Elsewhere, confirmation that Erling Haaland is stronger than Adam Wempster. Leeds are in trouble. Wolves are in even more trouble. And Everton just turned into Brazil 1970. Is Alex Awobi the new Rivellino? All that plus the Women's World Cup draw. Your questions. And that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Robin Cowan, welcome. Hello, Max. Hello, Barry Glendenning. Hello, Max Russian. Hello, Nick Ames. Hello, Max. All right, let's start the city ground. Nottingham Forest 1, Liverpool nil. Neil says the economy is in meltdown. We have an energy crisis. People are only lasting 40-odd days in high-profile jobs. Forest are beating Liverpool and keepers are wearing caps again. Are we reliving the 1970s? Um, Gavin says, should Liverpool sack Klopp, install Gerrard as their new manager, then fire him to turn their season around? We'll get to uh, Stevie G uh, in a bit. And Autumn says, are Forest enjoying a keep-the-old-manager bounce? Um, what a brilliant result, Barry, for Nottingham Forest. Yeah, a brilliant result for them, and one I suspect very few people saw coming, despite Liverpool's fairly ropey start to the season. Forest had to obviously ride their luck at times. Virgil van Dijk missed three excellent chances, I think it was. And and they had other good goal-scoring opportunities as well. Trent Alexander-Arnold's header is one that springs to mind. I think Roberto Firmino had a chance, but... Yeah, it was it was a brilliant performance from Forrest, showing so, huge signs of improvement. And while Steve Cooper stressed after the the game that it's just a win and it's only three points and we're nowhere near where we want to be, I, I think it's it's really worth probably a lot more than three points in so far as you take into account the confidence it will give the players. You know, if if we can beat Liverpool, then surely we can beat anyone. Something they've 
not really shown <laughs> up to now, apart from what was their opening game of the season. I think they won. <laughs> but um, yeah, hats off to them. And it was a big call. Steve Cooper had been getting a lot of heat from refusing to drop Brennan Johnson, who hasn't impressed particularly this season, having lit up the championship last season and being a huge factor in Forest promotion. So he, he dropped him, brought in Tayo Awonyi, and he scored the winner, uh, having spent six or seven years at Liverpool, but being constantly farmed out on loan elsewhere and never having played for them. Do we accept a non-celebration celebration from someone who's never played for, for the opposition team? Robin? It's an interesting one because I did their game against Fulham and he's called then and didn't celebrate. So oh, right. I think it's just a kind of maybe a sort of Balotelli sort of vibe. Like, this is just what I do. I'm hoping he didn't not celebrate because Liverpool, because <laughs> he doesn't really have much history with them despite being on their books. But yeah, I just I just think Steve Cooper deserves so much credit. I think he's he's a proven manager you know, of personalities as well as a really good tactician. He's pretty much had success everywhere he's been. And if anyone is going to crack this, I think it's going to be him. I think um, the fans are still with him. And he's just done, obviously, as Barry said, it's just one win and they may go on a run of loads of defeats now. But I just do think he's quite special, Steve Cooper. And um, if anyone can do it, it will be him with this Nottingham Forest side. Um, I am basing this uh, 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 on just sort of 15 seconds that I saw on Match of the Day of a uh, one-year, but he, he did come across really well after. He obviously celebrated at the final whistle and he did say, look, I owe Liverpool a whole lot. They picked me from Nigeria. They scouted me and maybe he didn't get his break there. So like, he was very generous with his sort of praise of, of what Liverpool had done. Nick, you were nodding furiously as Robin was talking about Steve Cooper. Yeah, I... I think Robin's spot on. And I think if you look at the job that Steve Cooper did last season for Forest, it was coming in and really managing to pull together and get the best out of a very desperate squad that had come from all sorts of places, lots of loanees. Um, there wasn't much cohesion to it, arguably too many players, um, and and getting them together and getting them up. And it's not really too dissimilar this time around. Now, a a lot and there's a lot of conjecture about who who brought some of these players in and and the recruitment team obviously got got given the heave ho um a week or two ago um but it's pretty much a sort of slightly more elite version of the same job that you've got a load of players that, that have been put in your path and you have to get the best out of them and um so so you know nobody better to do it on the evidence of the past year or so. And there was a, there was a few signs. I, I was at their game with Brighton on Tuesday night. Oh, so was I. Goodness me. Oh, what a slog. Oh, it, was, it, it was the worst game I've been at this season, Robin. Maybe the same for you. Um, <laughs> so I can't believe we're raking back over it here. And we're, not, <laughs> and we're not going to, because this is meant to be a sort of broadly an entertainment <laughs> programme. <laughs> Broadly, Nick, broadly. <laughs> they had no attacking threat at all against Brighton, did they? And so it's like they just started to build a little bit more of that in this game. 
that was that was exactly it. And they and they were a lot better off the ball, a lot more mm. robust. And you saw a lot of the steel that they hadn't had in previous games, which like um, those earlier games this season were appointment viewing if you wanted basketball craziness, you know. And and um, you have to go back to basics, don't you? And get that defensive work right, get that shape and structure right, which is which I think is what Cooper did with them last season too. Um, and you you could just see it Brighton that happening. And he said that after that Brighton game, that's not really us. I I want more from us going forward. Sure enough, we um, we got that against Liverpool. Um, could even have had another couple of goals, I think, especially in in that second half on the break. And I think yeah, you can't judge it on a on a couple of games, but that was a big win. And you can see how he's trying to pull things in the right direction. And 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 by the way, the atmosphere in the city ground sounded absolutely fantastic. I mean, that's a that's a proper football stadium and a proper football club when it gets going, isn't it? And it it, it just sounded like it must have been incredible to be there. Barry, what what are Liverpool? What are they? Um, yeah. I I think at the moment they're a once great team in that are in obvious decline. Um, Jurgen Klopp made five changes to this game and perhaps this showed a lack of strength in depth. But, you know, with better finishing, they probably should have won the match. You know, I I did say before the season, I thought they might struggle to finish in the top four and I still think they might struggle to finish in the top four because I have a feeling Newcastle might finish in the top four. (laughs) And uh, Manchester United, I'm not convinced yet. By them, so uh, yeah, they're they're a very good team who aren't as good as they used to be. That's what they are, I think. Yeah, I I laughed at you, um, Barry, when you made that bold prediction, and I'm not laughing now. Well, I, I am now laughing. Yeah. I've made myself <laughs> laugh, which is it's a good skill. It's a good skill to have in life, isn't it? Um, um, any other thoughts on 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 Liverpool, Robin? And and I mean, because it it feels like, and obviously, you know. Liverpool are not going to make any, a drastic decision. Jurgen Klopp is a wonderful manager. He's done so much for for that team. And actually to compete as they have with Manchester City is a real achievement in itself. He's allowed a duff season in the league and they could still win trophies. But it is interesting to see, you know, just how quickly like tides kind of turn and, and people start talking about them in, in different ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. I still think people are... I don't know how long it's going to go on for, but I think people still feel like they can get in the top four because they because they do have Klopp and they do have you know a really good team. But they're odd, aren't they? Because they've got they've um, you know fantastic win against the Rangers and then Manchester City, and then they kind of struggled a little bit in midweek against West Ham, and then yeah, just I think it's as Barry said, it's just a squad that's slightly older. Um, Mane clearly is quite a big miss. They had, I don't think Nunes was fit for this one. So mm. it's kind of a lot of stuff going on, but they've not won away this season. Like, I think that's, I, I find it quite interesting when teams have a ridiculously good record, either home or away. Because I think Brighton are different. Brighton have really got not a very good home record and they're good away. So I don't know what it is, if it's tactically something they're not quite doing or, I mean, but we saw this, they kind of, was it two years ago after they ran City close or after actually no after they won the title they had a drop off didn't they and they just about got in the top four after Alisson scored from a corner yes so they kind of flip-flop a little bit they just you know as Klopp said they they can't maintain it as much as City because they're not owned by a country 
it's just going to be more difficult for them. You xenophobe. <laughs> sorry, Nick. <laughs> no, sorry. Um, I, I, I think going to that away record, I, I think it, it was their, their first back-to-back away defeats in, in five years, I think I saw, which is fair, fairly notable. And then it's a bit like, I know you see that, you see it with teams, don't you? I mean, you saw it with Leeds, who we'll come to later, and under Marcelo Bielsa, that maybe when a team is so tightly wound and going at such full tilt for so long, it's like, like an elastic band. You, you, you go past the elastic limit and you can't become elastic again just like that. It's, it's not that simple. And I won't torture that metaphor any further, but I think that's kind of what's going on with, with Liverpool. And obviously, you can't look past the injuries too. I'm, I'm, lots of injuries. Diaz, a big miss now, of course, several others. Um, but it's increasingly looking like the dreaded season of transition for Jurgen Klopp. Let's go to Stamford Bridge. Chelsea won, Manchester United won. The most drawn fixture in Premier League history. One of those stats that I absolutely could not care less about. But there we go. Maybe it's interesting to somebody. Um, Manchester United, Nick, were, were, were for these, certainly for the opening of this game, were brilliant. Sort of started where they left off against Tottenham. Yeah, good passing, good good energy, good speed, good movement. I thought up front, a couple of good chances first half, wasn't there? There was a pretty big miss by Anthony, I think, where he saw the whites of Kepa's eyes, but put it past the post. Kepa made a, a, a good save, I think. Was it from Rashford? It might have been. But, um, but the energy was there, definitely, which um, you haven't always seen. And the movement and the combinations. And... Chelsea, by contrast, were, were quite hard-working, quite compact. Um, I, I, I think Graham Potter had to change things up in-game for the second week in a row, didn't he? I think he changed from a back three to a, to a back four and kind of tightened up a bit in, in the middle with, with a little bit of joy, sort of stem, stem the flow a bit. But most of the real kind of um, proactivity and creativity came, came from United. And you didn't really see Chelsea create too much um, across the whole game, which I think is going to be a bit of a concern for Potter. I mean, obviously, um, Reese James, from, although from out on the right, does provide them a lot when he's fit. But then they come out of that game feeling un- unfortunate um, not to have won it. And they would have won it if, um, if it hadn't been for a millimetre ball crossing the line. And it was nearly Kepa's best save of the last week, which has got, well, a week and a bit, which um, there's, there's quite a large selection of those. So, yeah, one of those where both teams can feel happy and disappointed, really. A, a little bit dissatisfying. It was a brilliant header, Barry, wasn't it? Casemiro is absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Um, the power he got on it from the position he was in. And Kepa, I've, I've heard Nick there say it was almost a brilliant save. I've heard others say he should have done better. I, I thought the criticism there was pretty harsh but um, I think he did his damnedest I'm not sure what else he could have done under the circumstances but yeah uh, an outstanding header and and a little bit lucky but you know uh, I think a draw another draw was probably a fair result I I thought both teams were quite negative actually more concerned about not losing the game than winning it isn't Casemiro one of those those players that Manchester United usually ruin, you know, in recent years? You know, they comes comes with a big fanfare and then doesn't deliver. So I'm hoping it will be different for him because clearly he's he is absolute quality, but like kind of like a Schweinsteiger or Di Maria, and usually they yeah they just kind of fade into into the background without doing anything. 
he does seem to be attacking more than yeah. he did for Real Madrid. I didn't watch Real Madrid week in, week out. I don't know what his goal scoring figures are, but he seems to be getting into those positions. And sort of, I don't remember him sort of arriving in the box and, and scoring headers. Uh, sort of good news for England, Nick, is Luke Shaw looks like he's playing really well. Slightly, I don't know if this is worrying, but like, I wonder, was it Glenn Hoddle who said Andy Cole needed seven chances to score a goal? I'm starting to feel that Rashford is, is just a bit head down, hammer it as hard as he can, lacking that sort of ultimate bit of composure. Yeah, have have like one of, one of the first half, didn't he? I think, and um, yeah, time time's ticking for him to to show that bit, a bit of consistency and, and form that will get him over the line to um, to Qatar. But yeah, definitely, there's something not quite there. Maybe he's overthinking it, which is often what you see with forwards. Um, on on Luke Shaw, you're right. I, I thought he was very impressive too. Seems to have a bit of the fitness and confidence back. I, I think he had a shot in the first half as well, didn't he? Or a burst forward that almost resulted in a goal. Um, so, yeah, good news for Southgate that two, two, two players who you know have been out of the reckoning a bit are looking fit, but Rashford, time, time's running out a little bit. Is, is he less clinical or are we now, because we get to see Erling Haaland every week, judging other strikers by his standards good question and i suppose i i suppose in my mind and you know history plays tricks on us in my mind when rashford arrived on the scene he was scoring those chances you know he was he had a bit more confidence about me he was hitting the corners you know it's not the sort of you know it's not timo Werner, who as far as i can remember when he was first at leipzig every shot he had went in and now he just literally can't possibly score it sort of feels like that but i might be i might be doing him a massive disservice there were lots of people saying i think roy Keane was leading the charge saying ronaldo would have scored that chance ronaldo would have scored that chance ronaldo would have scored that chance without ever alluding to the fact that if ronaldo was playing that chance might not have actually happened right <laughs> because because it's different it's it's quite fascinating to see Roy Keane sort of love for Ronaldo and failure to, to, to criticise him at all. To be fair to him, he's not alone in that. Quite a few of Ronaldo's former Manchester United teammates just steadfastly refuse to criticise him in any way. <laughs> but, and uh, look, it doesn't matter, but um, Ronaldo has obviously played right into Eric Ten Hag's hands by storming off in a huff last week. Because uh, Ten Hag is now well within his rights not to ever include him in his squad again and just get rid as soon as possible. It's just funny though because Roy Keane's like not—he wouldn't be one for a flashy player, is he? It's it right. kind of strange seeing him defend and also someone who did that. It's just it, well, I mean, Roy Keane can't oh, really criticise him for storming off, can he? Yeah, Mick McCarthy <laughs> might have something to it. say about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Just find it really strange. Yeah, I have rumours linking. Ronaldo with Chelsea. I just cannot see it happening. It'd be absolutely hilarious. So I play Ronaldo and Aubameyang up front in a 4-4-2. would be good, wouldn't it? Anyway, that'll do for part one. Part two will begin depressingly at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard. 
But thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, we have a live show on the 17th of November, um, our Christmas special. Uh, it should be fun. And uh, uh, hopefully you will all come and make it fun. And then we'll go and have a beer afterwards. Uh, me, Baz, Lars, Sivertson, Ellis, James. Uh, if you would like tickets, go to theguardian.com slash Guardian Live. And I'm afraid that even if we do sell out, I will still tweet about it on the hour because we're live streaming. And so until we sell 7 billion tickets, um, then I, I have to try and sell more tickets. But yeah, wherever you are on earth, you can watch us. And um, uh, you can watch it live or you can watch it later on. Uh, you'll get sent a link and watch it any time in the following week. Um, Tottenham won Newcastle 2. Uh, Newcastle into the top four. It was a close game, one of those fine margins ones. But, but Barry, a deserved win for Newcastle. Yeah, a deserved win. Uh, a win that didn't surprise me. And, and a statement win. I think it was a statement win for Newcastle and a statement defeat for Spurs. So Newcastle had already drawn with City, lost to Liverpool. I think, if I remember correctly, they were a little unlucky to lose that one. Drew at Manchester United, and now they've beaten Tottenham. Uh, so they've beaten one of the big six this season now. And Spurs, they've drawn with Chelsea, and a game they just should have lost. Uh, I don't know how Chelsea threw that one away. Lost against Arsenal, lost against Man U, and now they've lost against uh, Newcastle. So... I think it tells us a lot about both teams in that Spurs are kind of bang average, playing about par, beating teams you'd expect them to be and losing against teams that they would expect to be doing better against. And a uh, big result for Newcastle. I was, at the, I was at White Hart Lane the last time I think they beat Spurs. That was Steve Bruce was in charge. The Those days, Newcastle fans will remember very fondly Joe Linton was still a striker and he scored the only goal of the game. That's, that's uh, I remember that. And how things have changed. But uh, yeah, a, a much more significant win for Newcastle, this one, I think. And as you say, pretty pretty fully deserved. A bit of controversy about the first goal. I mean, I, I thought, even with my you know very Spurs biased head on, I thought, Robin, that is a goal. And Hugo Lloris has just been a bit shit. Um, which he <laughs> carried on being. Um, but goalkeeping's Ben Foster disagreed. He tweeted, if an outfield player knocks it past an opposing player and they're in the way like that, it's a foul, capital letters foul, every single time. The goalkeeper is the player in control of the ball. If he beats the striker to the ball and the striker's in the way, unfortunately, it's a foul. There's nothing the striker can do about it, but it's still a foul. He was very exercised by this. Is that the, is that the goalkeeper's union? What did you think? Yeah, he's paid his subs for his membership, hasn't he? Um, yeah, no, I think it's fine just because the fact that it was kind of like front on, wasn't it? Usually if it's kind of like a shoulder barge or something, then it should be a foul. But no, I just think Lloris had his sort of once 
what are we saying? Monthly, couple of monthly, sort of rush of bloods. So, yes, I'd say it's, it's, you know, it's more than once a quarter. Yeah, but it's not quite once a month. And he was brilliant against Manchester United. Yeah, but no, I mean it didn't matter in the end. But that's what's so but frustrating about him, isn't yeah. it? He has that, and he also there's nothing more depressing from a Spurs perspective than watching him float a pass under hit to a fullback and give someone plenty of time to chase him down, which is what happened for the second goal. I know Almiron had a lot to do and Clement Longley just disappeared, but but it was very frustrating. Uh, Nick, you had your hand up very politely. Yeah, I I think on the goal, you see that foul given a lot in general play or all, all over the pitch when a player sort of genuinely, and it's sometimes genuinely, sometimes a body check, but often um, when they genuinely can't get out of the way, and they're pulled up for blocking. And every time that happens, I I don't like it very much. I I think it's slightly harsh. So my feeling when I saw that was probably get chalked off, but I don't think it's particularly fair. And then that's obviously not what happened. So I think it was probably the, the correct decision. And yeah, um, just reward for what you were saying just then. Hugo Lloris for, for an outstanding keeper who's had an outstanding career and has been an outstanding sweeper keeper. that <laughs> definitely has quite a few of those in him with the high-risk game he plays. It's on Newcastle. I think, you know, it. personally, it does make me sad, you know, what's happened to them. Um, I feel very conflicted because they were my... I really liked them growing up. Uh, she was my favourite player. But, like, just concentrating on what Eddie Howe has done, I think the most... The, the kind of the best thing that he's done is made existing players loads better. Like you mentioned, Joe Linton... Longstaff, Fabian Cher couldn't mm-hmm. get a game, and then Miguel Almiron. But maybe that was more Jack, a drunk Jack Grealish dissing him. That's all he needed. And look at him. I mean, he's just absolutely oozing with confidence. Uh, it, it's just great to see. Tom sends an email saying, "Hi, folks. Spurs fan here. Not impressed by Tottenham's performance. Deeply unimpressed by the ownership situation at St James's Park. But I couldn't be anything but massively impressed with Newcastle on the field of play. Spurs have spent the season so far looking either dynamic and unhinged, or more often dull but coherent. Today, Newcastle with the best of both worlds. Eddie Howe insists he wants to focus on football, not Saudi Arabia. In my book, that's not good enough. But in purely footballing terms, he's going above and beyond. Any person who can turn Fabian Scher into Franz Beckenbauer deserves a huge measure of sporting respect." Uh, and the secret dad says, I say this as a Spurs fan, but should Spurs just accept they'll always be Spursy, no matter who the manager is, and therefore just quit the league? And it is hard to gauge them, Barry, because they're still third. They're top of their Champions League group. It'll be fascinating what both these teams do in January, because all Conte says is, I don't have enough players. Let's wait until the window. And obviously Newcastle now, in this prom- promising position, should be able to attract even better players. Yeah, um, and I do wonder given the inevitability of, of Newcastle's rise to prominence with their under the new ownership, will we have a big six? Will someone have to drop out of the, the original big six? Or would, do we have a big seven? I don't, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. I was going to say, during the Soccer and Glory years, um, it was a big four. And then I think, I can't remember who was breaking into the big five, but we had a massive five made, like huge, like it was absolutely huge. Is it time for the big five? And someone was, I was going to say, is it time for the big five? And then it would just pan out to this massive five on the sofa. And not for the first time, I completely ballsed up the the inline for the gag and it ruined it. And someone had gone to all this trouble. The props guys had spent like weeks building this five and there was no need for it anyway. (laughs) So someone's going to be building a massive seven soon. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Um, Southampton won Arsenal one. 
Only the second time this season Arsenal have dropped points. Nick, you braved a rail replacement bus uh, to make this game. What a hero. I mean, how was how was the bus to begin with? Um, the bus was good on the way there from Eastleigh. Mm-hmm. Eastleigh right. seems like a very nice little market town to where uh, okay. I'd never been, uh, to Southampton, mm-hmm. which is very near. And yeah. on the way back, I circumvented the bus by getting an Uber. Wow. That's very Ben Fisher. You sort of, that's the most Ben Fisher, I think. That's the sort of detail that he he gives us. Oh, so it wasn't... I thought you were getting a bus from London to Southampton. No, 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 no. You were just getting a five-minute bus. I'm not impressed with a that. I thought bus. you really had gone above and beyond. Uh, what did you make of the football match? I was going to give you more Ben Fisher-style detail, but <laughs> let's crack on. I'll, I'll leave that to the master. Um, the football match, when it happened, was... Um, Good game, actually. For for 10, 20 minutes, you thought Arsenal were going to pulverise them because Arsenal did their usual thing. They they started very, very quickly against the Southampton side who um, were pretty low on energy, low on personnel too. Obviously, they already had two or three injuries and then Kyle Walker-Peters obviously is now out for a while. Che Adams, who won the game against Bournemouth a few days previously, was only fit for the bench. Ainsley Maitland-Niles on, on loan from Arsenal, not eligible. So they looked very thin and it looked like Ralph Hasenhurtle, who reverted at the start to his sort of tried and trusted, you either call it 4-4-2 or 4-2-2-2, don't you? Um, to, to his tried and trusted. And it, it all felt like they were going through the motions a bit. And Arsenal could have scored twice before another granite shaka right-footed mm. half volley from a right side across and that was absolute carbon copy almost of his goal against PSV Eindhoven and you did sit there and think how many then hasn't at all made a, a fair play to him because he's had quite a lot of stick isn't he he's definitely born the look as he tends to around this time every season of a man under heavy pressure Switch things back up, switch to um, to wing backs, put um or you new see to wing back, Perro um to left um to left wing back who'd been at fullback before. And things sort of steadied up uh, steadied up a bit. Gabriel Jesus missed a couple of good chances for Arsenal. There was a volley from a lovely scooped Odegaard oh, so pass. Nice, Odegaard tries that once every game. And this oh, one really? was just such a lovely little first time scoop. Good and important save um, by the keeper and you kind of think at half time Southampton haven't really done much but they have got themselves a foothold in in the game now what can Arsenal do and we saw last week didn't we that Arsenal in the second half at Leeds (laughs) in that stormy game at Ellen Road absolutely rode their luck and just about came out of it and you thought they they might not they might get away with that here because Saints aren't up to much but let's see you have to steer clear of turning this into a thing by just talking about it a lot or it being an actual thing. But I was quite interested after the, after the PSV Eindhoven game, Saka had played and started that game, as had Gabriel Jesus on Thursday night. And a few people were a bit surprised because Saka's started every game by two. And Saka against PSV was fantastic. Best player on the pitch, 85 minutes, nobody could touch him. Absolutely brilliant. And I asked Mikel Arteta afterwards, is that really sustainable? Can he keep playing these games and then playing in the Premier League three days later? And Arteta said, well, look at the top players. They they play 70 matches. They play every three days in the season and they're ruthless and they make the difference time after time. 
there's no fitness coach in the world who tells me that they can't do it, <laughs> which I thought was surprisingly bullish and a bit old school and very interesting whether he meant it or not. And I just felt we saw in, in the second half, um, Saka definitely faded. Gabriel Jesus probably puts one of those chances away when he's at, at his sharpest. And there was just a little bit of tiredness and, and legginess crept in. So, look, we can't catastrophize about Arsenal too much because they've dropped points for, them for the second time. Boo-hoo. You know, they can wring their hands about it from the top of the league. But there was just a few signs that maybe Arteta's got to rotate a bit more assiduously over the coming weeks if they're to keep this level up. Oh, well, and Nick, that is an excellent summation of that football match. Uh, Mark says, was Barry surprised to see that Theo Walcott still existed and that he'd returned to Southampton? Uh, I knew he was at Southampton. I knew he still existed, but uh, I, don't, I don't think he's featured particularly prominently this season. So uh, unlikely to make the plane for Qatar, I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know. There's 50 <laughs> spots, isn't there, <laughs> at the moment? That's true. Yeah, it's, a, it's an easy jet charter flight. There's 300 <laughs> people on it. Um, uh, let's go to Villa Park. Uh, Dave says, objectively, how funny is it that as soon as Gerard leaves Villa, they turn into prime Barcelona? I love Gerard as a player. I have nothing against him as a manager, but 3-0 up after 15 minutes, after months of being useless, it's undeniably hilarious. Um, Barry, he's right. Oh, it, it was an astonishing vindication of of their decision to fire him and wherever he was watching it if he was watching it he must have been absolutely horrified <laughs> what he was seeing. <laughs> and on match of the day they flagged up villa's average goals expected goals shots shots on target big chances so far this season and then the equivalent yesterday and I mean, the differences were, there were chasms between them. <laughs> it made for horrific reading for, for Steven Gerrard and his agent. Um, it was it was just quite astonishing. Um, and Aaron Danks was in charge of Villa. I must confess, I'd never heard of him before yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Important to say, not Aaron Banks, yes, the arch yeah. Brexiteer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I did a double take when I saw the name. <laughs> and then, oh, it's Danks, not Banks. So he he changed the formation. He dropped John McGinn, the captain, which you know, uh, dropping the captain was one of the, one of the things that Steven Gerrard got, got in trouble for uh, early in his, his um, tenure. And it, it was just quite remarkable. <laughs> I, I was watching the Arsenal-Southampton game in the pub and just yeah one nil two nil three nil what what the hell is going on i wish i want to watch this game but um yeah it it was a just a a remarkable i'm I'm speechless max i'm lost for words wow wow finally i just like to i like to picture gerard's like kind of maybe trying to enjoy a nice Sunday lunch with his family and then just seeing an alert, just an honest photograph oh, for fuck's You'd have sake. to watch, wouldn't you? You'd have to, <laughs> you'd have to watch. He's got a nice pad in Portugal. I, said, I like to think he was in Faro, you know, yeah. he'd just sort of just come, just come off the golf course and thought, I'll just flick it on, see what they've done. Mike says, it, 
Mike says it should be written into every Premier League manager's contract that they have to do a shift on co-coms for their team's first match <laughs> after they've been sacked. Yes. Yes. It'd be a great chance for them to vent or try and explain how their struggling team are now three up inside 15 minutes. <laughs> and look, I, I suppose, Nick, look, it could be an aberration. You don't know. Aston Villa have some good players. They're Premier League footballers. Leon Bailey arrived with a lot of promise. And he showed it in that 15 minutes, didn't he? Yeah, he was brilliant down that left flank, which may, maybe is where he should have been put all along. I mean, I mean, look, Villa were at home very good for an hour against Chelsea the week before. I was there and I think Robin and I must have been following each other around the country recently because <laughs> I, I was um, covering that one. And Gerard might might well have reflected when he got off the golf course in a Faro that if they if they'd scored... Well, given one of those goals from yesterday, the week before, things might be looking very different for them now. So they are able to to attack and go through the gears. Got got some really good flair players and, and a lot of strength in midfield too. I, I thought um, Douglas Louise from from what I've seen of the game, because it was going on parallel to the one that was at. It looked like Douglas um, Louise was running the show in in midfield there. And I think maybe with Gerard in the end, he just. He just kept trying so many different things. I think he never let one shape or 11 or pattern stick for a succession or a run of games. And if you do that, I think a lot of coaches would say you confuse the players. Like players start to have doubt about you. They have doubts about themselves. Things become less crystal clear. But if a new guy comes in and just says, right, you do that. You do what you're good at. Leon Bailey get down the left, put balls in, jink at people. Simple, but it works. And I think we saw that yesterday. And, and the way they started that game was fantastic. But again, they did have it in them. And we saw it a week previously. That was the first Villa game I'd done, the game against Chelsea. And it was they put in a really good performance. But at the final whistle, it was pretty toxic. Because I thought, oh, you know, there's some encouragement here. But no, I mean, a lot of the fans had already turned on him. And then obviously the Fulham game where you have to make that walk from the tunnel to the dugout. <laughs> That's a good sort of litmus test as to how your popularity is. And uh, yeah, it was just interesting how the fans, it didn't matter that they put in a good performance. They were fed up already with Steven Gerrard. Grant says, can you give this a mention, Max? Warmed an old cynic's heart today, this did. Um, Aston Villa tweeting out, you might have seen Danny Ings come out uh, with headphones on, with the mascot also with headphones on. Uh, Riley Regan, who attends the Aston Villa Foundation's Ability Counts Disability Football Sessions, walked out with Danny Ings this afternoon. The striker joined his mascot in wearing headphones to to block out the noise. Um, I, I've chatted to Danny before. I think we both have Barry's a very nice man. He's one of the nice people in football. They do exist and uh, we should probably celebrate the good things in football occasionally, given the bleakness. Uh, I don't know if you read Jonathan Wilson's column in The Observer about how depressing this all is. Well, you know, hopefully, maybe there are good people littered through it somewhere. Uh, that'll do for part two. Part three will begin at the Etihad. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Now the Football Supporters Association Awards are back and we would like to retain the trophy or uh, we won't mention it at all, the podcast after the awards ceremony. Um, go to thefsa.org.uk. Think of all the good things we've done for you. And this is free, this podcast, you know, and if you don't vote for us, I'll be sorely disappointed with you because um, this is a tough job. He says sitting is sitting in a nice house. Just have to watch football on the telly and chat shit about it. But look, we still like the award. Um, uh, you can vote for Robin Cowan, commentator of the year. Robin, it's a big moment for you, isn't it? Oh, it's a privilege. It'll be an honour to lose to Peter Jury. Oh, well, <laughs> Absolute honour. I voted for you, Robin. Um, you can vote for The Guardian, <laughs> Newspaper of the Year. You can vote for David Squires, Online Media of the Year. He's up against The Athletic. Come on, Squires can take down that behemoth. Um, Barney, Ronay, Susie Rack are both up for Writer of the Year. Uh, the Guardian Football Weekly is up for Podcast of the Year. And you might as well click on the warm-up for Radio Show of the Year because... It was very funny when we won it last year because Barry was absolutely shit-faced and just stood on stage going, this show is rubbish. And it just shows to what the rest of you should have a long, hard look at yourself while 606 all sat there looking quite miffed at Barry. Anyway, let's go to the Etihads. Manchester City 3, Brighton 1. Neil says, as someone who grew up with the football of John Beck, good for you, Neil. What an education that was. How much do you love to see Man City going to the dark side, enjoying some filthy Route 1 goals, just glorious stuff. Next step, Mares playing left wing and just sticking it in the mixer. I mean, the first goal, Nick, I, I said on the radio yesterday, it reminds it reminded me of Speedball 2 on the Amiga. It's a hilarious goal, isn't it? Yeah, there's also cold showers now in, in the away dressing room and they do, unspeak, they do unspeakable things to the halftime tea as well. <laughs> um, but um, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an excellent... Um, kick by Edison we we know he's got that in him lovely and long and flat and yeah when you've got a player like Haaland who will bounce off him as he did in finishing the goal which I because I think it needed a, a VAR check if if I'm right then yeah you've always got a chance of being able to release him and just see him rampage through like that and it was it was like a sort of cheat code wasn't it on on sensible soccer or something like that it was Pretty insane, but fair play. And City is another example of how City are able to absolutely mix things up with Haaland up top. Yeah, you just needed some robot paramedics to come and pick Adam Webster up and just sort of take him off the pitch. And the thing is, Barry, he's not, it's like, you know, he's not N'Golo Kante, right? He's a big lad, Adam Webster. <laughs> he is, and he looked quite sheepish as he uh, appealed in vain for a foul afterwards, as if, you know, oh God, a better appeal, even though it's slightly embarrassing that he swatted me aside with such ease. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you're the Brighton owner, what? Look, obviously losing to City away is not terrible. But, um, Roberto De Zerbi is still looking for a win after five games. And the thing is, there's a few teams in the, in the Premier League who are playing quite nice football, but can't score often enough, and let in too many soft goals. Uh, Brighton are one of those teams. Wolves are another. Leeds are another. And uh, 
obviously Brighton aren't in any danger at the moment, but the other two are. And uh, what do you do if you're Roberto De Zerbi? Because, you know, it's like when Potter was there, the team are playing quite well, but just struggling to score goals. And there's not a huge amount you can do if you're a manager short of buying someone new to score goals. Uh, can I just get a shout out to John Bruin's Get It Launched campaign? I'm yeah. very much backing this um, for <laughs> Manchester City's goal and Liverpool's winner um, against Manchester City. I know uh, Lars Sivitson's very much behind it as well. I just think it's perfect. You know, you have that political um, tagline, three three words, get Brexit done, you know, yeah. education, 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 get it launched. And uh, I'm sure Nadim Sahawi will be backing it at some point today. <laughs> do you um, do you think, <laughs> and we've sort of chatted about this before, do you think Pep like hated that goal? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love that. He's kind of punching the, the chair. <laughs> disallow it, disallow it. What is long balls? <laughs> I mean, it's such a, it's actually, Emmy Martinez did a brilliant pass to Ollie Watkins, I think. Like that, that skill of goalkeepers, some of them, I mean, I'll exclude Hugo Lloris from this wafting. He's only got a sand wedge. He doesn't have that club <laughs> in his locker. It's such an interesting new sort of new development in football in the last sort of five to 10 years. I would love it if after uh, Ederson had sent it long and Haaland scored that just Pep got, uh, is it Scott Carson on yeah. the bench? <laughs> God, just put up Ederson's number, off you come and send on the goalkeeper and do what he's doing. Well, we did start this chat with, you know, talking about John Beck and he did t- substitute Steve Claridge for cutting inside. Like, I think he set up a goal, <laughs> but like, it was like, no, your job if you're playing on the wing is to get to the byline. There's no cutting inside in this team. Off you come, mate. Anyway, uh, yeah, Kevin De Bruyne scored a lovely goal. I suppose the interesting thing about that is nobody was surprised that Kevin De Bruyne scored a lovely goal because he is a sensational footballer. Um, Everton three, Crystal Palace nil. Uh, when did Everton turn into Brazil, Nick? I mean, all their goals were brilliant. And I think my fate, the, the, the Awobi touch to McNeil is absolutely sensational. I've, I've got a friend who's a, a very big Everton fan and probably listening to this. And he, he texts me every couple of weeks at the moment saying, Alex, Awobi is, is absolutely unplayable at the moment. You've got to watch it and believe it. And I must admit, I wasn't watching very much and rarely believed it. But I've been paying extra attention in recent weeks and I've, I've got to say he's he's been been transformed into a player who again one of those who has the confidence to maybe try things he wasn't trying before you know has a lovely deft touch and everything's coming off and that goal from from him and Dwight McNeil I mean a great run inside from McNeil the kind of gliding run a bit more direct than we sometimes see from him because I've, I've sometimes kind of not seen it with Dwight McNeil um very incisive run lovely little back heel back to him and superb finish and it's it's the kind of football that Everton fans have been craving for a long time. I know it's quite a facile point, but, but it's true. And and they delivered against against the Palace side who didn't who didn't really turn up. And good also to see Dominic Calvert Lewin. I thought good surging run, first goal of the season, and I think only his third or fourth appearance. Um, Gareth Southgate in the stands, I think now, whether that was too late to get him on the. 50 strong entourage to Qatar <laughs> we will see or even the final 26 but definitely a bit of a reminder that he's there and can do it but good signs for Everton and some good swashbuckling football that maybe they've missed Stephen Gerrard would have been furious about that game as well wouldn't he um, on Calvert-Lewin it's interesting that touch to get a pass Mark Gay was really beautiful he does so well for the goal because he he wins the ball back has that touch and a brilliant finish 
it's a, it is a question for Gareth Southgate is who is the who is the striker if Harry Kane does his ankle a week before the World Cup because Calvert-Lewin is obviously has his fitness concerns but Southgate has had faith in him Cannon Wilson is playing really well and is clearly a brilliant striker if he's fit Ivan Tony is sort of the the guy with the shirt at the moment not that he came on the pitch with the shirt I would have Calvert-Lewin behind I would have Tony, then uh, Callum Wilson, then Calvert-Lewin. I think Bamford's completely out of the reckoning now. He can't hit a barren door at the moment. And But three of those four all really struggle to stay fit, so that's a worry. But I think, yeah, you'd have to say Ivan Tony probably. Yeah, and I'm just thinking from Gareth Southgate's point of view, he really is It's he's pretty... Uh, steadfast in kind of his loyalty and even though Ivan Tony was taken he didn't play him whereas Callum Wilson even though he's not been picked he has actually played and scored for England you know quite a while ago and I, I agree he's such a natural finisher Wilson but yeah you would be worried about his fitness but I, I think he's he's fabulous you know he's he's, he's fantastic but that's a really say Harry Kane was, you know, that's it. He gets injured in the next game and that's it. I mean, that is oh, it, it would be a nightmare in terms of the phone-ins and stuff. Are we leaving out someone really obvious, Rashford? Rashford, I mean, or oh, Ta- Tammy Abraham was all, but he he seems to be out of the Les picture Ferdinand. as well. Les Ferdinand, we've forgotten Les, Les <laughs> Ferdinand. <laughs> Robbie Fowler, Robbie Robbie Fowler's the most natural finisher. Come on everybody. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and Teddy Sheringham has that extra yard in his head. He really does. Um, Barry, we, we disagreed about the second goal, didn't we? I mean, it's a wonderful move, but we disagreed about whether it could be in the goal of the month category. Yeah, you, you said that. It was a wonderful move out from the back. I think it was I counted 12, 13 passes. It reminded me slightly of Sunderland's wonderful goal, that one goal of the month team effort for one goal of the month for September. And uh, I noticed actually they got presented with the trophy for Gold of the Month and every single player who was involved in the move was there for <laughs> the... It wasn't just Jack Clark, the goal scorer. So that was a nice touch. Um, but you, yeah, I thought it was right up there with that one. Not quite as good, but, you know, not far off it. But you say because Mikalenko's shot was saved and uh, Anthony Gordon only scored in the follow-up, then it doesn't count. It, it's a lovely move, but that's all it is. That's it can't it can't have any more than that. It can't you can't put that to the life of Riley. It's just not. It's just not acceptable. <laughs> um, uh, let's go to the Edinburgh Road leads to Fulham three. Richard says, "Don't record too early." I want to hear your reaction to Jesse March getting sacked. Uh, Jay says, "When do we say for certain leads are going down?" Right now is my answer. No winning eight leads into the bottom three. Would you say things are desperate for for Jesse Marsh, Robin, or, or not? I I really hope. They stick with him, but me too. You know, uh, he's had his critics, but I mean, personally, he's all, he's a really nice guy. He's always polite, even when they've you know have lost, which you can't say about many managers, just from a personal point of view. But no, I felt so sorry for him. That that second goal went in. It, it looked like he was going to be sick. I mean, oh, on, yeah, on the bench, it was terrible. <laughs> I know it's just awful to see. And... It would be funny if he had that kind of Cartman influence. So literally, every time <laughs> yeah. Leeds concede a goal, he just projectile vomits. <laughs> that would be great. Oh man, yeah. I mean, I don't know what's wrong. I mean, because they they do create quite a lot, but they concede, and the goals they conceded were really bad, weren't they? I mean, that especially that deckled over Reed 
header. It was just completely, you know, he's not the tallest, but he's just absolutely free as a bird. I don't know what it is. They're just kind of ball watching. And yeah, it's just not working. Um, but I don't, short of getting a kind of, you know, Sam Allardyce figure in, which wouldn't go down well. I don't know what what else they could, I'm not sure if getting rid of Jesse Marsh would really do much at this stage. They clearly, I think they're really missing Calvin Phillips, aren't they? Because he's that sort of defensive Every you know, he was everywhere, and also his range of passing. But I mean, it's interesting because I mean, it seems like not that long ago they won against Chelsea. You know, really, that was fantastic performance against Chelsea, and they haven't won since. Um, so yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Leeds do. But yeah, it's uh, tough, tough for Jesse Marsh. I do feel for him. More nice people managing football teams. That's just it. Just should be the top one. Are you nice? You can have the job. Fulham are seventh, Barry. Haven't been to those heady heights since the Roy Hodgson uh, days. Um, and, you know, they've got really like players like Harrison Reed, who I had given no thought to until this year. Just brilliant footballers. And it is incredibly impressive to be seventh in the league for a team that we basically all wrote off at the start of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they have a very impressive midfield, uh, Harrison Reed. Joe Polina and Andreas Pereira is a player reborn, having failed to hack it up Manchester United. And Alexander Mitrovic, obviously, is have, it just shows the importance of having a striker in form. And, I mean, that goal he scored was, was a soft one. He, he uh, I think it was Luke Ayling, let him score at the near post from a corner. And it's very sloppy defending. But, yeah, I'm... I, I remember when Marco Silva came first to, was it Hull he started at? Mm-hmm. And we were getting all these chin-stroking, navel-gazing pieces about how great he was going. This guy no one had ever heard of from Portugal was going to be. And he, you know, he, he didn't really impress at Hull or Watford or Everton. Uh, but he's doing a good job here so far. Finally, Wolves nil, Leicester four. Leicester are good again. Um, so we're all worrying about that for, for no reason. Two interesting statistics. Jackie Oatley saying a striker has not scored for Wolves in their last 22 Premier League games. Um, it's an extraordinary statistic, isn't it? Um, uh, at last, Sivitson, in their last two games, Leicester City have had five shots on goal and scored six times, <laughs> which is incredibly efficient. What, what do we want to talk about? That Yuri Tielemans strike, Baz? Wow. Well, I think it's, you know, anytime someone scores, we're, we're looking for a mistake. Who who messed up? Whose fault was it? And I think that's one of those goals where nobody messed up. You know, the was it a cross or a free kick or a corner came in? Someone headed it clear and then just bam. <laughs> this is an unstoppable shot. And I don't think anyone was to blame. It's just one of those goals that nobody could have done anything about. And a, a absolutely... Brilliant strike, and you could see Yuri Tielemans' post-match interview that he was incredibly proud of himself for scoring it. What I loved about it was that um, there's a free kick taken and, and cleared out, and he's got a way to go to the ball, but he watches it all the way. He's he's got his eyes on the ball and knows exactly where it's going to fall, where it's going to bounce up, and then just puts his foot through it. And if you if you're a kid watching that technique in terms of lining up a long range shot, it is absolutely textbook and perfect. As of course it is the 
the clean finish. John says, should Wolves think about appointing a permanent manager before 2023? They've said Steve Davis will remain in charge until then. I mean, because of the World Cup, that isn't that many games. But I suppose the thing is, Robin, you can't just keep saying to Steve Davis, well, you're also a fan, so this must be like a fun little thing for you to do. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a bit patronising, isn't it? It's not looking great, is it? The sort of aimless managerial search, and they'll just see who's kind of left after the World Cup, maybe. Um, there was a tweet that made me laugh from uh, Daniel Story. He said, very mutinous mood at Molyneux now with chance for Scott Sellers, the technical director, to be sacked. Because you, like, you can't say sack the manager because he's gone. <laughs> they just moved out. I, mean, I don't know idea who Scott Sellers is, but uh, obviously Wolves fans were just like... <laughs> he's a Culverhouse staple. Uh, Newcastle. Former... Newcastle. Was he Blackburn? Did he play Blackburn for yeah, a while? Yeah, I think so. I suppose you can't technically sack Georgie Mendes, can you? Because he's got, not officially got a job, so... No. But it's like, it's like we need to... St- we need to call someone to be sacked when we're losing. <laughs> who's, who's the first person that comes to I mind? I mean, that was a bad result for Luton Wolves, obviously, but I don't think they're that bad. I mean, they just can't fucking score goals. <laughs> and, um, but apart from that, and I know scoring goals is quite important. <laughs> I think they had a higher XG, actually, than Leicester yesterday. Diego Costa had quite a few chances, didn't he? Um, and the other thing is, I think I saw Jamie Vardy. That was his 100th Premier League goal since turning 30. That is some, that is some achievement. Which and also pretty, uh, doing the Your amazing. Smelly celebration. I mean, that is really, that is Route 1, <laughs> isn't it? Um, uh, uh, West Ham play Bournemouth tonight. Uh, we'll talk about that on Wednesday's pod at Champions League this week. Um, uh, the Guardian Women's Football Weekly will obviously talk about the World Cup draw in much more detail. But Robin, briefly, England will face Denmark, China and either Haiti or Chile. The Republic have got a tricky group which includes Canada and Australia, as well as Nigeria. Um, um, have you have you plotted England's route to the final? No, I'm not someone who does that because my brain doesn't uh, isn't doesn't work that way. But I'm told that it's it's a fairly it's a fairly kind group stage for England. But those who do plot it could be a tricky last sixteen, either Australia or Canada. But I think that's all very presumptuous about England winning the group and others coming second in other groups. So. We'll just see how it is. Is Australia and New Zealand Um, excited, Max? Yes, I think so. Oh, that's interesting when people ask you that question. I think somebody wanted to ask me, you know, how Australia was reacting to some big news story. And I was like, well, I'm just in my living room. Like, it's not, I'm not not doing like a (laughs) massive survey. I'm not working for Ipso Mori or whatever it is, just surveying Australians. (laughs) Like, I'm quite excited. I think I might be in the UK for, I'm not sure. Are you in a, do you want to rent my flat? Robin, or you can have it. I don't you know, be generous about this. Are you, <laughs> oh, are you I can there? have it. <laughs> that is TBC. All oh, right. Okay. We're still, still God, not absolutely sure. You've got to shoe in for that, haven't you, after the <laughs> final of the Euros. Um, we'll finally, see. listen, we, we have gone on far too long, and producer Joel is yelling at me, but Nick, you wanted Ipswich Corner. Stu says, how far can Ipswich go with Kieran McKenna? Give us your best tight minute on Ipswich Town. Yes, welcome to Ipswich Corner, this much-loved staple of uh, Football Weekly. Very very glad to bring it back. Um, how far can I go under Kieran McKenna? Uh, he, he's done a fantastic job. The football is tactically, physically and technically way above um, League One level, I would say. We're a team that's probably about half championship-level players. That doesn't get you out of the division, obviously, because teams can just kick lumps out of you and 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 get down the other end but it, it's looking very good he's reinvigorated a fan base that had been 
for the apathetic they had 28,000 and 28,500 in there the other night against Derby I think 27,000 of a week before averaging about 25 in your fourth season in League One is is pretty incredible certainly the vibe around the town and the stadium is is better than I've seen it since they were in the Premier League 20 or so years ago and it, it just shows what there is to be um, reawakened by by packaging things up well and giving fans something they want to see and I, um, I think Wallets which is quite a small town of 140,000 odd Suffolk itself has a population of I think just below 800,000 and then you've got a bit of North Essex too so the potential catchment area where it's there isn't a lot much of tractors isn't it it's a lot of tractors there are a lot of tractors, a lot of tractors clogging up the road on their on their way in to to join the twenty eight thousand. So two more things: they on Friday night against Derby, they played um, in a blow to the traditionalists, including me, in an all black kit, which is, I mean, obviously Ipswich playing blue and white, but they played all um, all black in a a kit that was, I think, released in in collaboration with Ed Sheeran. Um, so that was the kind of marketing wheeze that. Um, people that, um, that can work well but uh, doesn't necessarily go down well in some quarters the other is that we can feed this into a wider football league point if we want no about... i don't care it's too long <laughs> you've done your job uh, and well done you're not in any context it's ipswich corner it's not the rest of football corner uh, finally at the end of the pod on thursday barry you joked uh, that by the time the pod went out, Liz Truss would have resigned. We actually beat the announcement by 45 minutes. So, uh, <laughs> so, there, so, so there we go. I mean, fuck knows we'll be Prime Minister by the time this one comes out. But uh, maybe there will be one. We don't know. Maybe they'll just give it to Steve Davis until 2023. Um, but that, <laughs> I'd settle for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll do for today's podcast. Uh, thank you, Nick. Thank you, Max. Uh, cheers, Robin. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Barry. Cheers. We'll be back on Wednesday. Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Danielle Stevens. This is The Guardian.